It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. Best thing that could have ever happened to me, uh, I got hired as a full-time sports guy. CJOB was a station that was dedicated to sports coverage, went out of their way to cover sports. And so I fell right into a perfect situation. And I feel when I look back at my career and the start I had, I just feel very lucky that I got that job at CJOB in 1973. You are listening live to Quick Kicks, a presentation of Third Down Gamble. Welcome everyone to the podcast and back together is the regular crew. It's Heath Graham, Pat Mooney and myself, Don Charbon and glad to have you along for the ride. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to be here today. Uh, we got great news. It's been a long time coming, but we're going to talk about a 2021 season. Let's get to it. Let's go. It's been a long time coming for sure. And no doubt, I am stoked. Any game. (laughs) The first game too. Hey, that's going to be a rematch of the two-year-old Grey Cup. We've never had that before. (laughs) That's true. But I think overall... The schedule, as tough as it was for Greg Quick to have to pull it together, you've got nine different governors who want nine different things, or maybe more than that, out of this schedule and trying to harmonize it enough so that you get a balanced schedule in the East and the West. Oh, I just can't imagine the amount of hours, how many hairs he probably pulled out of his head trying to figure this one out. Well, not only that, but with all the different rules in different provinces in terms of the capacity in the stadiums. He's got to factor that in to make sure that they're reaching that mandate that the CFL talked about of getting at least 35% of the people in, in the stands. Um, we know out here in the Wild West, those things are going to happen. I mean, here in Saskatchewan, they're talking about no limits. It's all open. So, um, But down east, certainly not the case. So it adds a lot of nuances and factors when you're putting this this schedule together, but it's done now and we're ready to go. And as we had kind of speculated, there's a lot of home games for the West early on in the season. A lot of the East teams are on the road and aren't going to see their home stadium for a little bit. I think that was, like I said, to be expected with the the rules in place in Quebec and Ontario. You know, one of the things that really jumped out at me in the schedule, though, is is Ottawa and Winnipeg do not play this year unless it's in the Grey Cup. It's a bit of a disappointment for Paul Apolis not to have to face his old team. And I'm sure there are a few people in Winnipeg, I read about it, that are upset that they don't get a rematch of sorts against their old coach. At some point, you've got to give to get. I saw some things on Facebook saying, oh, what a blah, blah schedule. But I'm challenging anyone, try to figure this one out. This is so hard to do. It's not like you can throw a bunch of dice on the floor and, okay, number one, you play there. Number two, you play there. Number three, you play there. It just doesn't work that way. You have to factor in, you've got stadium availability. You've got travel considerations. That's part of the equation. Now you've got to get into, you have to guarantee that the East has to play so many games against divisional opponents and the West minimally has to do it. Well, that's four and a five. How do you mesh odd and even numbers. It just doesn't work very well. I think what they did was as best as they could do. There's a couple of quirks, one being that uh, Ottawa and Winnipeg do not play. Another that Edmonton plays BC twice in Vancouver, but they do not play BC in Edmonton. You've got some idiosyncrasies that just are the nature of a nine-team league and a very, very short schedule, which just compounds the situation. 
It does. But again, I think they've done, as you've indicated, Don, the, the best with a bad situation. I mean, 14, 14 games in a season with nine teams, it's not going to balance. And, and uh, I think they've done a good job, an admirable job, at least of getting everyone to a situation where they're somewhat balanced. When you take a look at the you know, the Eastern teams are playing in conference uh, eight times across the board, and the Western teams are a minimal of nine, with Calgary being an exception to having 10 games within their division. So I think uh, you spoke to that. And there are certainly some challenges, even in an 18-game schedule with a nine-team league that we've talked about in the past. Now you're losing four games per team and trying to figure it out. Um, you know, another weird anomaly is the Riders actually play three straight games against the Stampeders, with a bye week in there, and the Stampeders actually have an extra game against BC in that in that stretch. So, um, you know, the Stamps are going to see see the Riders three out of four games. The Riders are going to see them three in a row with a week break in between. So there, there's bound to be some anomalies, and uh, like you said, it's it's not something that I would want to uh, take on as the as the league scheduler. And I'm just excited that there's there's games, even if it had been completely playing within your division this year. For a 14 game schedule i think a lot of people would be accepting of that um, the fact that we are getting east versus west fairly regularly i think is is a great compromise and um you know there's there's a few bumps in the road but we're going to get 14 games in saskatchewan also starts the season at home with four games at home in the first five weeks and the one time they don't have a home date it's a bye week there winnipeg plays montreal twice Toronto twice. That's the only time that a Western team plays two Eastern teams twice. Here's a quirky one. The British Columbia Lions play six home games against Western opponents and only three road games. They're the only Western team that goes to every Eastern city. Another anomaly that I had, I guess if I was Ottawa, I would be a little disappointed in being scheduled on a, I think they've got a Tuesday and a Wednesday stretch with a long weekend in between. You know, when I when I look at the rider schedule, of course, being a season ticket holder, it seems like most of their games are on the weekend. You've got Friday, Saturday games. Somebody, I guess, has to pick the Tuesday and Wednesday games. And again, it's stadium availability, making it work. Well, you've got a condensed timeline, in a sense, trying to get this all together without playing the Grey Cup on Boxing Day. So you had to sort of shorten some weeks to fit it in and still maintain the minimum time that players need between games to recover. That's a real, real tough juggling act. And I applaud the CFL for especially Greg Quick and whatever software he manages to use to help him along. That is a no-win situation. And I thought what they came up with was, given the circumstances, as best you could be. You've got the East playing in the East. Yes, Hamilton and Toronto play each other four times. Yes, Montreal and Ottawa will play each other four times. But they get eight games in their division, which is more than what they play outside the division. Having talked to some people from the East, they're tired of having their fate always decided by playing Western opponents. They want to decide in their own division. And I think this is a great thing that the East now plays a preponderance of games within its own division. The one concern I guess I have as a fan is some of the teams are going to be playing those late November games, even prior to playoffs. When I see some of the start times, again, Ryder fan looking at their last game, I believe it's an eight o'clock at night in November. I'm thinking, why are we playing, you know, an evening game in November? And they're certainly not the only team I'm seeing that from. I know it's television. I guess you have that factored in as well when you're making the schedule. So for fans, it may not be the warmest experience, let's say. 
Yeah, that looks like it's the uh, Friday, November 5th um, hosting the Edmonton Elks is going to be a 745 start. Uh, so I think that's the one that you were <laughs> you were looking but, at. But after 5 o'clock at that time of the year, it doesn't matter what time of the night you play. Yeah, I guess the wind may be down at that time. Let's, let's use that, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe that's why it'll be warmer. Just It's one of the things that I find so fascinating, and I know we've been around this on this podcast, but people can worry about the CFL starting in March or let's pro- more appropriately probably April and saying how cold it could be. Well, what about playing in November? Argued against that for so long. And the Western final is going to be a cold weather final and quite the cold weather final, unless it's in BC. November 28th starting playoffs. Oof. Yeah, that's that's beyond what Grey Cups have been played at lately. Yeah, hopefully we get lucky and get a bit of a warm spell. So one question for you guys. I know this past NFL season was the first time ever that that league had games on every single day of the week. Is this a first for the CFL as well? Because it looks like we've got every day of the week covered here. I don't think so. I'd have to double check though, but that's a great question. I think the league has been around that uh, before. The the free agent activity is picking up, I think, a little bit again here. There was that lull when nobody really knew what was going on. And uh, there's some some unsigned guys out there that might be uh, ready to, to commit somewhere and, and get things going. Well, you wonder how much hesitation there was among players that had not been signed as of yet. I'm sure there were some offer sheets sitting there in people's hands waiting for some sort of confirmation that they it was worthwhile for them to sign it. I, and I think there's going to be more activity here in the next uh, week or two to kind of get those uh, those rosters finalized and get players into camp. Not only signing, but I think, you know, having a 600-day hiatus, you may have some players who say, you know what, I'm just not ready to go, right? I might step back and not come to camp. It's time for me to move on or I found something else. And that's definitely going to impact some of the players as well. We've heard today that Calgary and Edmonton are looking at trying to work together to share training camp times. That's kind of a neat thing that they can do. I think Toronto and Hamilton are possibly another scenario where that could be done because they're close enough to to affect it. Let's talk about that. Uh, Do you think that this training camp, not having any preseason games, is that going to impact the ability for newcomers to break into the league? Are teams going to want to stay with the known quantities or are they going to take some risks and say, okay, we're taking the younger player, two years younger versus two years on a guy who is 30? What are we going to do? And, And truly, can you make those or are you just going to pull them on the practice roster and eventually bring them into play? We talk about the the age and that it's another year on uh, you know on people's birth certificates but at the same time it's a year where they haven't been getting hit so you know you look at a guy like Jeremiah Mazzoli that was coming off some injuries at the end of of the 2019 season you got Zach Kolaris who has a well-documented history of injuries Matt Nichols had a season-ending injury look at Mike Riley broke his hand You've got Cody Fajardo with uh, an injury to his pectoral muscles. You've got Bo Levy, who's coming back from shoulder surgery. Yeah, now that you run through the roster, 2019 was a pretty rough year for starting quarterbacks. And we're, we're entering a, a season here now where I think everybody has a solid number one quarterback ready to go. A lot of teams have a very solid second string guy as well. So I think it, it bodes well. Um, there might be some some high scoring games airing it out deep in in the CFL might be the go-to move this year. Even somebody like Andrew Harris that's getting into his mid-30s, you start to see a decline in running backs in their 30s for sure. But to have a year where 
he's not going to work and getting mowed over every day and have that extra year to heal up. There might be a little bit of extra bounce in the step of some of these uh, some of these veteran guys, and uh, you know having a, a full year to recover from surgeries and and shoulder injuries and neck injuries and all that kind of thing, I think is going to help them more than it's going to hurt them once the rust comes off. But I do wonder how all these teams rookies are going to have an opportunity to make the team with not having games to to actually go out and play and show what you can do uh the athleticism i mean you've you've now got to really show it all in practice and you can't be messing up mentally you're going to have to be prepared and be ready to go and there's really no reason why they can't be if they've had the uh playbooks for some time and and they're coming off of a very strange collegiate year for them as well how game ready are they that's a that's a very good point pat and it's going to be interesting it's going to be a tough tough road for some rookies the anomaly is those ncaa players some of them played some of them didn't and those that played i mean they, they've been playing within the last year where some of the veterans haven't played for over 600 days i agree that the lack of a preseason is going to impact negatively any rookie that comes into camp is there opportunities now for some of the guys if the border stays closed the practice rosters are expected to expand i believe by five slots is that what i'm hearing so if that does happen, is there going to be some opportunity to keep some of these players who maybe didn't get a fair look because there is no preseason on those rosters and, and potentially uh, hold them for game play later? CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. Well, here's a poser. What if, and I don't know if, how many this applies to, but what if you're not vaccinated coming to camp? What does a team do with you? It's a good question. Well, I know the NFL has made some allusions to needing to be fully vaccinated. They've mentioned players and coaches and media that cover teams and that if they're not vaccinated, there may be some issues. Uh, the CFL absolutely could follow suit on, on something like that. I've certainly seen a lot of tweets from CFL players showing that they are getting vaccinated, and hopefully that will encourage the rest of them to, to jump in. But that's a very good question. And I mean, that's something that everybody across this country is struggling with, uh, be it at, at workplaces or places of worship or schools or kids' activities, you know, what is the implication if somebody's not vaccinated and I don't know if the CFL has anything even kind of behind the scenes that they haven't made public um, we'll just kind of have to wait and see it could be part of the player services contract it, it's a difficult question because we're wrestling with it in society as it is there are people that just for whatever reason refuse to get a, a vaccine if Quebec maintains stricter rules about interprovincial travel and, and lack of vaccines. Are the BC Lions going to be able to get into Quebec to see, to, to play a game, or is there going to be ramifications that no, you can't, you're not following public health directives and, and cause some issues? So it would be in the league's best interest if they made it mandatory. I don't know if they have the power. It all depends on that CBA, right? The fact that Montreal Canadiens hockey had fans in the stands, even though it was a restricted number, I think is another indication that Quebec is willing to consider. And the fact that the um, Las Vegas Golden Knights can travel into Montreal to play against the Canadians as well, right? So you're getting not just within Canada, but you're getting that cross-border traffic. 
Obviously, that's going to come into play with getting players into the country for July 5th to start their quarantines. So they're ready to go for that uh, July 10th training camp start date. Here's an interesting question. Uh, Here in Saskatchewan, we're hearing now that people who are two weeks past their second vaccination will no longer be concerned or considered close contacts. I do wonder if a player who, for whatever reason, maybe isn't vaccinated or only has one, if they're a close contact and now have to isolate for 14 days, missing one or two games at least, right? So as season ticket holders, have you heard anything from the league or from the the Rough Riders regarding attendance and what games and that sort of thing? Or has that been radio silence still at this point? They did email me and... The intimation was is that season ticket holders will get priority depending on what kind of numbers they're, they, they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do. And if there is a chance that, for instance, I have to give up a game because uh, we're not allowed because of the quota placed on attendance, then uh, the riders will try to make it up to us. From team to team, you're going to see different attempts to try to redress this issue as best they can. Clearly in Saskatchewan, because the season ticket base is so large, it's probably going to be more impactful than it might be in another center where the season ticket base is less of an issue and game day walk-up is bigger. Right. And you're certainly seeing from the Premier of Saskatchewan and the Premier of Alberta, they want to be open for business here as soon as they can. The Calgary Stampede is coming up and that was the one kind of big event of the summer that the uh, Alberta government wants to make sure they can get attendance up to. So if if they're opening that up for the Stampede, then certainly the two CFL teams can have a pretty decent crowd size, I would imagine. And I know I know Scott Moe has talked a lot about having people in Mosaic Stadium for those riders games. It sounds like no limits is where he'd like it to be. Listening to the commissioner on the Waggle episode that was dropped earlier this week, the uh, commissioner had indicated that they were fully aware that this is a very fluid situation still, but that they were trying to be proactive and getting out there and trying to get a schedule. This schedule may be tweaked. It's entirely possible you might see a date moved or something like that. And uh, the NFL had to do that several times during their last season. So it's, it's not unreasonable. The NHL had to do it with the Vancouver Canucks a huge amount of times. You may see a situation where numbers are restricted at the beginning, but I think the CFL is fully aware that as the season goes on, the restrictions are going to come off and we're going to get to that point where, what is it, 75, 25 or whatever, you know, first dose versus second dose in the population. We're good to go. Hopefully by the time we get to the Great Cup, it will be wide open and we can uh, have a full celebration of Canadian football in the Great Cup. I just hope that there's enough time for people to make plans and arrangements to go to games Um, you know especially I think all of us have traveled for many hours to attend CFL games and you know my my hope is that that kind of thing can still work logistically for people and especially in the province of Saskatchewan where you've got people from every corner of the province that had to Regina on game day it's going to be a really tough situation if they don't have that information ahead of time to arrange hotels arrange for childcare, arrange for transportation whatever the case may be um, you know, game traveling to the games is almost as much fun as the games themselves sometimes, depending on the, the crowd and the situation you're with. So, um, you know, I, I think we're six weeks out roughly from the start of the season. They've got time, but I, I don't think they can sit on it for too long. I already have one game that we've got a wedding at. Uh, it's one home game for Saskatchewan that I, I'm not going to be able to attend. If, if I had the choice, I'd sure like to say, okay, that's the one I won't go to. 
there's going to be a lot of interactivity over this. I can't believe that it is, it's just going to be a one-way street. Say that they can only take a third of the stadium, so 10,000 people. Well, that's not going to cover your season ticket base. So now you're going to have to reach out to, and either by lottery in each section or by, by methodology where you say row one, there's only so many people, row two, row three, row four, row five, and figure it out that way. And then you contact those people and it's it's going to be a huge orchestration. Maybe they're going to have something on their website where you have to click and say, yes, I'm in. I don't know. It's just to do that game to game to game, and especially with the Rough Riders, they got home games just stacked right on top of each other. It's going to be a lot tougher. And I think, you know, again, in the West, it sounds like stadiums may open and you may be able to say, okay, all season ticket holders, you can come and we're going to limit the number of people who are not season ticket holders and, and potentially space season ticket holders out a bit more if you can. Um, but I, I do wonder about the Eastern teams when they open up, if they do have those capacity limits that you talked about, Don, where 35, 40, 50% of people, how do you start picking and choosing who who gets to stay in their season ticket seat and who has to move to allow for spacing? And boy, it's going to be a logistical nightmare. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio. Worth watching.